0: I'd like to give you a very warm welcome to our morning service this morning. Um, Whether you're online or here in the building with us, whether you're visiting us, it's good to have you with us. Uh, Just a a couple of notices before um, we begin this morning. Um, Just a quick one for all of you guys. We've got a camp coming up here in a couple of weeks' time. There are prayer letters for for the camp They're out in the foyer. Um, I really do ask that you pick these up um, and take them home, read through them, and um, pray over... um, The event for the leaders and for the children the teenagers that are um, going on that camp so they're out in the foyer i encourage you to to pick them up Um, talking about camp um, mark uh, gave me a quick text this morning from the yps just a little bit of an update they had a really safe journey there they're all settling in really really well they all seem to be really happy um, and excited for the week ahead so that's a real encouragement but he did ask us to pray for those that are there that are, m- might be on the outside just a little bit, sitting on the sidelines, just to pray for them to be integrated into the group. Because it can be daunting if you, if you don't know the group so well and you're, you're not a regular. So let's um, pray for those that they, they integrate with the group and they really fit in well. Um, just a, a notice to all of you guys here. Uh, our Sunday school is going to be called Sunday School No More. Um, We've we've had a meeting um, over the last, well, we've been talking about a a change of name for Sunday school for probably 10 years, ever since I started taking over Sunday school. I was a bit daunted to begin with because I didn't want to make that change myself, so I kind of like kept um, putting it off, putting it off, but... it's come to a point now over much prayer, much time, where we've decided to, to change the name from Sunday School and the new name that we're going to be giving for, for um, Sunday School is going to be called Thrive. So we think it links in very well um, with Rooted, so it's going to be called Thrive from now on. So if you can get out of the habit calling it Sunday School and calling it Thrive, that would be um, really appreciative. But I just want to encourage you and, and, and to put you at ease that... Even though the name's changed, the main focus for our Sunday school has always been and will always be um, God first and at the centre of everything. The the teaching of God's word, the message of God's word is central. And the amazing thing for us and the brilliant thing is that God does not change. Even though we might change the name of Sunday school, God doesn't change and that's something to be really thankful for. And I've just got a quick verse that I'd like to read to you and it's um, from Psalm 102 and it's uh, verses 25 to 27, and it says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. And they will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. And I just think it's a real encouragement, isn't it, that God doesn't change. Things around us change all the time. Um, People situations but God doesn't change and as we move on with this name with Sunday School it is a new name it's exciting to move forward with it but God's at the centre of it still and he doesn't change. We're going to sing our first um, hymn this morning we're going to be singing Amazing Grace and we're going to be singing it to the the old Lang Syne um, tune so as the music starts in a moment, would you please stand, but we're going to be singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now i am found. Was blind, but now I see. Uh, two readings this morning and the title for, for the sermon this morning is um, Following by the Sea and um, our reading is going to be at the beginning of Matthew and it, it picks up with Jesus calling his first disciples. So Jesus has been born, he's uh, been uh, mentioned in the Bible, the first that was prophesied and then we read about him as a child in the temple but then We don't hear a lot about Jesus at all, then all of a sudden he bursts onto the scene and we we read about him where he's baptised by John the Baptist and he's taken away to be tempted in the desert and we're picking up the story here where he starts to call his first disciples and starts his ministry, where he changes the world and turns it upside down. So our first reading is in Matthew 4 and it's reading from verses 18 to 25 and you can find that in your Bibles on page 809. So it's page 809 in your Bibles. If not, you can follow along on the wall. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, cast in a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there... He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, his father, mending nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And our second reading we can find in Matthew 9 and starting from um, verse 9 to 13, and we can find that on page 814. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We look forward to what John has to say and speak to us on those two passages a little bit later on. But now we're going to be singing our second song. It's a song that um, some of the children here will know. We sing it in Sunday school. Um, Jesus calls the fishermen, so please stand when the music starts. And then after, the, after this um, song, um, John will come up for the children to talk to the children. Please come forward.
1: children. Good to have you here this morning. Uh, now, what did John say has changed in Sunday school? Yeah, Molly? The name. The name yeah, what's it going to be? Yeah, say it nice and clearly. Thrive. Thrive. Yeah, thrive. But what does it mean? Do you think the teachers just, and John and Steph thought, well, oh, let's just randomly choose a, a word, and, oh, yeah, that, that sounds quite good. Has a, has a meaning. Anyone know what it means? Let's get let's get thinking. Yeah, Flynn, what do you think it means? Good. okay, keep thinking. Yeah? Does it mean to grow? It does mean to grow. Yeah, that would be another word to describe thriving. Yeah? Have another go. Develop. develop. That's a good word. Very good. Okay, who can beat that? Let's have a more sophisticated word. Or any words. So we had grow, develop. Any other words? Shall I give you some more? Progress, increase. Yeah, have you got one? Change. change. Yeah, change in, in a good way. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, bear fruit, prosper, develop, You had that one. Grow, we had that one. And blossom. So lots of words describe what it is like to thrive. Now, I've got two lettuce plants here. And let's see if you understand this word. Alright, okay. One of them's thriving one of them isn't. One of them I'd be happy to eat, one of them I wouldn't. One's doing really well. One's not got much life at all. Which one's thriving? It's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. This one, of course, yeah. This one's doing really well. This one really isn't doing well. Any ideas why it might not be doing very well? Yeah? Shut <laughs> This one, we haven't watered yet. Yeah, it's really dry. The soil's really dry, and it's just not had any water. This one's really wet. Like you can see the leaves all wet. The soil's all wet as well and it's growing because it's being fed. This one's been starved, it's not had a good experience, It's not being looked after, it's not doing well at all. And um, it's all to do with what's going on underground. So this is, uh, this is an oak sapling. Can you, can you see the acorn? Anyone point to the acorn? Where's the acorn? Yeah, that's right. So that's the seed that's gone in the ground and with the moisture in the ground and the warmth in the ground started growing and what's coming up as a surface was thriving till so I pulled out the ground. And uh, so it's being fed by the seed and fed by the nutrients and the water in the ground and therefore it's thriving. Okay, so that's what the word means. To do well, to grow, to develop, to bear fruit, to progress. Okay. And I want to show you now a picture of some rather funny people. Okay? See if you recognise any of them, now don't worry—it's just in the room. It's not on that live stream, and the people who might be embarrassed on there, might, most of them aren't here, so, so we're safe. Okay. So that was a photo I found of afternoon Sunday school nine years ago, and um, all of those people there have uh, grown taller, grown a bit wiser. And they have been loved and cared for. Uh, What other things do you think they might have done that's now made them into, some of them adults, and certainly growing up fast? What do you think some of the things might be in their lives that have made them thrive? Yeah? Yeah, we'll come on to that a bit later, because that's not necessarily the case for all of them, Yes. anyway. What about their bodies that's made them actually grow into adults and grow up? What do you think, what sort of things, did we, I mean, have they been, during the week, planted in the ground? Feet under the soil? No? What's been, what's been going on? Yeah? Been on God. Yeah, good, we're going to come to that in a minute. Let's go back, what about their body? Because the Bible, I mean, if I chew on the Bible, I'm just going to get indigestion and tummy ache. Yes. What sort of thing do, do we need to eat? How do we need to eat to, to be healthy and thrive? yeah food what kind of food yeah yeah vegetables healthy good food what else do you think our bodies need especially at night time when it's dark what do we need lots of to help us thrive yeah lots of sleep yeah so we need lots of sleep lots of healthy food we need people to love us and then we thrive often we thrive and that we grow up so these people here yeah they're all nine years older And and what's really encouraging is at least half of them now follow Jesus. And they're thriving in that way too. So we thought a bit about what it is to thrive, our bodies, to eat healthily, to grow up. But what does it mean to thrive when it, you've already talked about this, about when it comes to God. What does it mean to thrive in knowing God? Well, what I want to do is uh, read this psalm, and I'd like to invite everybody to, to join in and help us out. Okay, so we'll read through it, and there's just two comments at the end, one or two comments at the end. Okay, so are we ready? nice and clearly? Yeah. All right. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, that's a great psalm, and lots there to think about, take in, but I just wanted to, to say a few things. So, so the Bible divides us into, into two, two groups. It calls the wicked, who turn away from God and reject God, and they don't thrive when it comes to God, uh, but the righteous, which are not people who've been really good and are better than everyone else, no, not at all, because some of the worst people become righteous because Jesus has changed their life. So when God works in our heart, then there's something, uh, there's, there's, some, there's some bad examples to follow. And some, the verse 1 tells us, don't, don't go down that way because you're not going to thrive. And that's walking along with people who hate God, um, standing around and spending time with things that are going to be a bad influence on us and help us to create bad habits. Then we don't thrive at all. Okay, so but what is it We said we don't put our feet in the ground, but what is it we put our heart in God's word? It says his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. So it's really saying now God's word and what he says to us, what does God say about how I should live my life? And when we tap our roots down into what God says, then we start to thrive. When we live God's way, we thrive physically, mentally and our soul, spiritually we do as, as people as well. And that's a great thing. Um, and what, what happens here? What, what is he like? Well, he's like an illustration of the plant. It's like a tree. A, a tree's planted in a desert where there's no water. It's going to die off. But a tree would do really well if it's near a source of water. And it gives fruit. And its leaves don't wither and die off. In all that he does, he prospers. And... It's saying that if, if our heart's in God's word, we're like a tree that is well-watered and well-fed. And we thrive as a result. And so that's why we've called the previous name, which we're not allowed to say anymore, is now called Thrive, okay? Because that's what we want for you. And do you notice as well that upstairs, we were thinking about that at Sunday school, it's called Rooted. Rooted down into God's word, where we feed off God and what he says and the truth that we really need to know and then we thrive, okay? So that's just a bit of an explanation of our new name. Good, well done. You can sit down now. Thank you.
0: Thank you, John. And that's one thing that we do want as um, parents, as Sunday school teachers... Uh, we want you guys to thrive. We really want you to know Jesus and we want you to thrive in his word. And I just encourage you again, you all got given a new book this morning, kids, didn't you? A book about God, about Jesus. And I really do encourage you to pick them up as you go home and read them. And I pray that you will thrive through the message that you are hearing there. Should we come together now? Shall we pray to God? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of love, you are a God of joy, you are a God of peace. Lord, we thank you so much that that you are a God that helps your people thrive. Lord, we just pray that as we, we grow in our lives, whether we're young, whether we're old, that you can be at the forefront of everything that we do, that we can be rooted in your word, that we can be rooted in you. And we pray that as you bless us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you will help us to really thrive in our lives, to have an impact on people around about us. Lord, we have been reading um, that passage this morning about how Jesus called his uh, first disciples. And Lord, we think about the impact that Jesus made on this world. Lord, he came into this world. He was prophesied thousands of years before he came. And Lord, as he came and preached and taught your word, turn this world up on its head and Lord we thank you that Jesus was willing to come to preach the way to be made right by you Lord not one of us can stand before you Lord unless we have Jesus who has taken that punishment for us Lord we thank you that Jesus was so full of love and compassion for us that he was willing to to make that sacrifice for all those people that call upon Jesus Christ Lord, we just pray that as we, as we go through our lives, as we grow, Lord, we can grow more like Jesus. We pray that he would be the one that would be our guide and our beacon, that each day that we wake, that we'd want to be led by his example and to follow him. And Lord, we know that as people we are broken and sinful. We know we are not perfect in any way, shape or form. And when we fail and we let ourselves down, Lord, we can still come to you and ask forgiveness and that punishment that Jesus took has cleared all those sins from our lives and we thank you for that but help us not to be carried away That help us to still be rooted in you help us to still go forward putting our trust in you wanting to be like you day by day help us to have an impact on the people around about us we think about Jesus and the impact that he had Lord everyone that he spoke to and healed he had an impact on Lord, we just pray that that we can be that to other people, that maybe we can be helped by you to guide people to know you as their saviour. And Lord, we just long to see people saved. Lord, we have given those books out this morning to the children in Sunday school and we pray that they won't just be put to one side, but they will be picked up day by day and read from cover to cover. We pray that they'll pick their Bible up day by day and read it. Lord, we know that this world offers us such little, Lord. It tells us that, that this is what we want and this is what we need. But Lord, nothing can fill us like Jesus does. No one can fill us like your word does. Nothing can make us truly happier unless we've got Jesus in our lives. Lord, we have promised that you give us all the things that we need and you always give us what we need when we need them, Lord. And we thank you for that. Lord God, I thank you so much for, for the Sunday School. Like, over the years, Lord, ha- as it's been taught, And Lord, as we go forward changing the name to Thrive Lord, I pray that it would be a real blessing. Lord, we just thank you so much that even though the name has changed, you do not. Lord, you are our rock, you are our guide, you are our saviour, you never change. And we just pray that as we go forward with Thrive Lord, that that your word would be at the centre of everything, that everything that goes around about Thrive Lord would be centred on you. Your word will be the most important thing. You will be the rock that we stand upon and we thank you for that. We pray that our hearts will be on fire again to serve you in this way, teaching those children as they come in week by week. Lord, we pray for Rooted as well, Lord, and we thank you for the change that they had up there with their name, Lord, and how it seems to just be um, the norm now. But again, we thank you that your word is at the centre of that work there. We pray at the moment, Lord, for those that are away from us, the YPs. Lord, we are are low on numbers today because of so many being away on that holiday. And Lord, we thank you so much that there are so many in that group that do follow you, that have you as their rock. And we pray for them at this time. We pray as they're on that holiday that you'd give them um, fun and safety. But we really do pray that you would speak to those that do not know you. Lord, as they've um, got a week away from, from everything, all the burdens of this world, Lord, where they have to pretend to be something that they're not, Lord, I pray that you would help them just to be themselves, to open their hearts up to your word. And I pray, Lord God, that you would work in their lives and in their hearts, Lord, and that you would fill that empty gap that they all have, Lord, and that they would come to know and love you as their saviour. I pray for those that are there that are Christians to get alongside them, to be an encourager, And I pray for all those talk series that are going on over the next week, Lord. I pray that you would be um, a real blessing to to the speakers as they give those talks. I pray that you would really help them as they speak to to that YP group. Lord, we think of our summer activities coming up as well. We think about camp um, in a couple of weeks' time. And we continue to pray for that event, Lord. I pray that each of us here would pick up one of those newsletters, take it home with us and pray over the um, matters at hand. Lord, we pray for the leaders and pray for the kids that are going on that. Lord, what a blessing it is that we can have a site down here where we can bring children onto this site and we can give them a good time and we can give them a message about Jesus. What a privilege it is and help us not to, to forget that. Lord, we pray for the Lighthouse event that's going on in August as well and Lord, what a blessing that has been over the, the, the um, years that have gone by. We've seen so many children come and hear a message and now we have that Connect Group set up as well where they come once a month and it is so wonderful that this prayer has been answered by you and that we are seeing the fruit of it now and we just pray, Lord, that you continue to bring children, bring parents along so they can hear a message and again, we want to see lives changed by that. Lord well, we think about those at this time that might be sad or feeling um, downcast or and we especially think of June Taylor at this time at that sad use of the loss of her son Stuart this week we really pray for her at this time Lord there are not many wo- not words that we can say to comfort her but Lord we know that you are the comforter and you can bring peace and we just pray that you would get alongside her and give her that peace that only you can give and we pray for the extended family as well, Lord, at this sad time. Just be with them and comfort them, we pray. We pray for any that might be ill at this time and not with us, able to be here. Lord, we pray for them and we pray that you would continue to keep encouraging them. Lord, we miss them when they're not here, but we know that they are thinking about us and they pray for us regularly and um, we just are so thankful for them. So, Lord God, be with us now as we continue in this service and we especially pray for, for John now as he speaks to us on these passages. Lord, he speaks to us about how Jesus called these first disciples. May you really bless him and help him and may each one of us here not just sit here and switch off but really be attentive to the things that we hear. I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in a mighty and powerful way this morning. Open up our ears and our hearts to this word that we are going to hear and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John comes to um, speak to us, we're going to be singing our, our third song. And again, once the music starts, please stand. But we're going to be singing All I Once Held Dear, Built My Life Upon, All This World Reveres and Wars to Own. Please stand when the music starts.
2: start off with a, a question this morning is your life different because Jesus has come If you think about it you probably all have to say yes whether you like it or not life is different for us because Jesus has come it's transformed the 2000 years since so I'll ask it a little, a little slightly differently is your life significantly different because of Jesus? Or perhaps even more, is your life willingly different because Jesus has come? Have those thoughts going round your mind. We're carrying on our our summer series of sort of connected one-offs if you like, we've called it Jesus by the Sea. We're focusing on a number of events in Jesus' life, on this sort of summary theme of being by the sea. And this week actually follows on quite a bit from, from last week and the title is Following by the Sea. It's the next few verses on from last week and we're in verses 18 to 22 of Matthew 4. Jesus has begun his ministry in Galilee by the sea and uh, there he was fulfilling all the prophecies about him, there he was bringing light into darkness, there he was beginning to preach the message of repentance. And we might be thinking, well what impact will this have on the lives of people, of real people? How will he start to get a team together together to pass on his message of light and repentance. That's what we'll see start to happen as we look into our passage this morning. And as we're looking at how that happens, we might be thinking about, does this have any relevance to to us, to, to me? The coming of Jesus, does it affect the direction of our lives? Well, I've been reading through these five verses and thinking about them this week, thinking about what's most striking. What strikes me about these verses? I've read them before. What struck me about them again as I've read them? I'm also bringing into, um, into the message the account we read later to do with Matthew. That's also by the sea, according to what Mark says, and there's some similarities of what happens to Matthew Levi, as he's called sometimes later on. So, following by the sea. In some ways, these are special circumstances. This is his early band of leaders. But in other ways, what we see here, I think, is meant to be a general pattern as to what would happen afterwards and what happens to many people today. Four things struck me. I'm going to put them up. And for each of them, also... Just a question for us to think about for us. So, firstly, this is what struck me. Ordinary people. We see Jesus here dealing with ordinary people. Brothers. Peter, Simon as he was called before that. Peter, Andrew, James, John. By the sea, fishermen. I found that striking as I thought about it. Fishermen. A very ordinary sort of activity. Ordinary people that Jesus speaks to in this way and we see that they respond to him. He's not at Jerusalem Postgraduate College. He's not at Herod's Palace on the king's birthday. He's not in the sort of winner's ceremony at the Olympic Games. He's by the sea talking to fishermen. The Crowborough Angler Angling Club has its 75th anniversary next Saturday. They're having activities down here and they wanted to use our car park at a call many months ago as to whether they could use quite a lot of our car park on the Saturday for their parking. I usually think of things to say afterwards. That's my trouble rather than at the time. But this time I I had a bit more presence of mind on the phone. I said, well, actually, Jesus uh, Jesus had a lot of time for fishermen. So, if we can help you, we, we will. And we've been able to. Fishermen. Ordinary people. Doing everyday activities. Verse 18. Peter, Andrew, casting a net into a sea searching for business looking to make ends meet James and John verse 21 mending their nets I suppose that was a very interesting job perhaps fishing was a bit more interesting but mending that he's tired at the end of the day fiddly would you like to mend nets mending their nets every day, packing down, sweeping up. Matthew, chapter 9, sitting at his tax booth, sitting at his desk. Ordinary people doing ordinary things. I think we can get a bit used to that. Jesus especially came and took interest in ordinary people. 1 Corinthians 1 says this for consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many were powerful not many were of noble birth but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong not many Noble, not many wealthy, not many famous. Some, yes, well, last week I read quite a long testimony, didn't I, of a celebrity, of a singer who come to know Jesus. There are some, but not many. Most people were fairly ordinary. It made me think of the Gospel writers, because two of these called then became Gospel writers. So, we might say there's the fisherman's Gospel, the doctor's gospel the tax collector's gospel we don't actually know what mark did for a job but we could say that the younger person's gospel we know that much more about mark ordinary people impacted by jesus in mark chapter 12 in in the it, it says about the great crowd hearing Jesus gladly and in the older version, I quite like the way it's put, it says the common people heard him gladly. Does that, uh, does that encourage you? Does that encourage you? Jesus came for shop assistants and carers, for delivery drivers and nurses, for accountants and teachers, for postmen and for police officers for housewives and for the retired for builders, for hairdressers and so as I speak this morning to a group of us ordinary people I can say Jesus came to affect the lives of ordinary people do you find that encouraging? find it moving, find it drawing Jesus came for ordinary people second thing that struck me as I read through uh, this account again was of the compelling call the compelling call, the, the call of Jesus to these fishermen comes doesn't it with a striking authority In verse 19 he says to Peter and Andrew follow me and then we read they left and followed. To James and John in verse 21 he he called them and they left, followed. To Matthew in Matthew 9 follow me And, and he rose and followed it's sort of kingly the king has come we heard last week about the kingdom of God arriving, that the king has coming and the king has arrived and as the king speaks it seems to have an authority on others the rabbis in those days uh, didn't choose people, didn't compel people, people chose them. We we sort of relate to that, that's how it generally works, isn't it? You choose who you follow. But here, in the way Jesus speaks, it seems to have a compelling authority with it so that the people respond, respond willingly, but respond. The long-awaited Messiah has come, the light-bringer has come, the Son of God has come he calls and there's a sort of magnetic effect on these fishermen and the tax collector and they respond sometimes there's talked about two calls there's the general call that is the invitation and we have wonderful invitations in the Bible which are applied so widely so wonderfully Uh, a famous one later in this gospel, come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And sometimes that general invitation is accompanied with with power and with a drawing compulsion in people's hearts. It's sometimes called the effectual call. Uh, That verse in Corinthians I refer to says, for consider your calling, brothers, And another verse gives a a golden chain in Romans chapter 8 and it says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that they might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those who called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. There's a sheep picture in another part of the Bible where Jesus says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the picture of those days where sometimes the, the flocks were mixed together in one big sort of massive pen uh, for many of the shepherds and the shepherd would come and he'd call his sheep and his sheep would come out because they know his voice and the others would stay. A sort of compulsion responding to the voice I thought of that one day when I was in the lay by at the top of um, uh, the A26 just beyond Eridge and I'd stopped for some reason to look in the field and there was a field of sheep and they saw my car and they were a bit twitchy and suspicious of this car that was quite close to the field and then after about five or ten minutes A Land Rover drove through the field and suddenly there was a lot of life and attention and they were all flocking towards the Land Rover coming in the field because it was the shepherd who'd come to bring them some food. My sheep know my vehicle, we could say, and they follow me. And so it is when Jesus speaks that in some people's hearts there's a a responsiveness to what he is saying. So you've heard the, the general invitation, some of you, many times. Has there been a, an inner response? Have you responded yet? You've been made willing in the day of his power as the Bible says. There comes a time in people's life when the things they've heard before about Jesus which meant very little which were water off a duck's back until now suddenly come with conviction and with traction if we can put it like that and it makes a difference and uh, they hear and they respond. The commands of Jesus come to you with any power and authority. You you sense this compelling call. Does the word follow me from Jesus mean anything to you? It did to these ordinary fishermen and this tax collector and they began to follow. So we had ordinary people and a kingly compelling call as the king had come and was inviting people to follow him, to walk in the light to come to salvation and connected with that we have immediate impact that's what struck me as I I read these verses again immediate impact verse 20 Peter and Andrew immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 22, James and John. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew, when he's called, he rose and followed him, getting up from his desk. Immediate impact. Now, there's some history to this. Um, The events of John chapter 1 to John chapter 4, if you know about them, are are thought to have been at an earlier stage. So Jesus did have some interaction with these people beforehand. They did know something about him. There is some background, so it's not quite so out of the blue as we might think if we only read the Gospel of Matthew or we only read the Gospel of Mark. But nevertheless, the way it's presented is of immediate impact. Isn't there a sense in which they were in the middle of what they were doing? It's while they were fishing. They were casting out the, the circular net with weights on the end out to drop down and catch some fish. They were mending their nets. They were counting the money in the, on his desk in the, the tax office. And, and it was while they were doing these things that they then stop, and it conveys this that christ 's call trumps everything it was more important that a big, bigger demand had come upon them. Uh, life might be very full and active for you at the moment you 're not just sitting around reflecting, mulling over things you 're doing a nine-till-five job, and perhaps much more than nine-till-five job. You've got a, a big family responsibility which feels so hectic that you just, oh, at the end of the day, when your head goes on the pillow. You'll perhaps hit a busy patch where you can barely keep up with things. And yet, even in the middle of all that, do you feel the call of Christ above these things? Jesus later says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is Jesus first in your life even in the busyness even with the many responsibilities what impact did it have on them well, what impact did it have there was uh, forsaking or leaving and there was following forsaking and following Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed him. James and John left their, the boat and their father and followed him. It's forsaking and leaving. Jesus was more important to them than their work. Nets, boats, business partners left behind and their life then centres on Jesus and His teaching and His mission. More important than their work. We say surely when somebody becomes a Christian they don't hand their notice in, do they? Not generally, perhaps very occasionally if the work involves something that I feel is just totally inconsistent with following Jesus, but not generally. But when somebody's converted, Jesus becomes first rather than the work. Jesus becomes the number one priority in their life maybe up till then it's been all about career, it's been all about sales, it's been all about profits, it's been all about overtime, it's all about achievement and then there's a reorganisation of priorities and although work is still diligently done for others to provide, Jesus is first above all and pleasing Jesus comes first in life. Is Jesus more important than your work? Is there a sense in which you have left your work and followed him? Because when push comes to shove, and when you can't serve both, he is on the throne, not your job. Jesus was more important than work. Jesus was more important than family. James and John immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. I don't know what the father thought, Zebedee, isn't it? I don't know what Mrs. Zebedee thought, a bit strange. But James and John left their father and followed Jesus, we're told. Does that mean you disregard your family if you become a Christian? A wife who's converted should be extra devoted, we find out elsewhere. Uh, A child who's converted should be extra loving to parents. It's a very high price put in the Bible on respecting and honouring parents families are God's idea and they're a wonderful idea but the highest call on us is Jesus not family and there are some times and they're very hard times where people have had to side with Jesus rather than side with family they've had to put him first And amidst the many pressures that come with family life, and there are often a ton of them, even all that, Jesus' call on our life as the King, as the Lord, as the Saviour, as the one who does us good, as the wise teacher, is first and foremost. Is Jesus more important than your family? Is his call, if I can put it like that, more important than the call of the family on your life? Jesus, who left so much, leaving heaven, its comforts, its glory, its admiration, to come to earth to save, to go to the cross, who left so much for us, are we willing to leave things for him? so you had ordinary people feeling this compelling call and it had an immediate impact which reorganised their priorities and put Jesus first and what he wants and then we also have changed focus changed focus Um, it's true in terms of following so we haven't focused much on that, but following Jesus, there's a Jesus-focused side to their life now, what he says, what, what he teaches, that, that guides, that directs, they're following Jesus, there's a, there's a new impetus to their life, but specifically it's also put in terms of not just following, but fishing. Verse 19, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men fishers of men so up till now they they fished and it was a good activity and it earned money and it provided food for the people in the area but now they were going to be doing something better fishing I suppose if you go fishing maybe you've been into fishing I've done the odd bit of fishing in my early days but not much but maybe you're into fishing I suppose if you, you go into fishing you probably enjoy the break and the breather and the greenery and the scenery and all these sorts of things but especially if you're into fishing especially if it's your business it's about catching fish isn't it? You know what, what do you see if you go on a river bank and you go past somebody who's fishing where you say have you caught anything? How how big how how big was the biggest fish you caught today? This is a sort of fishing, Is about fish and catching fish. And instead of fishing for fish, they went out to fish for for people. They were to rescue people I don't think we need to see this in a negative thing you know like the fish got out doesn't, the, most fish don't want to come out of the lake and end up on the boat do they but here fishing is seen as a good thing I mean if you put it like this the, the lake is poisonous and there is a, a, you know, a rather life-giving thriving lake that they're put into Jesus' mission is to rescue people from the sort of poison of their life and their future, a life without God and to rescue them into something which is thriving and life-giving and now these fishermen were going to do that for people. They were going to pass on a message which rescued, which saved, which gathered, assembled people. Now it's especially true of the Apostles These early leaders, they very obviously had a change in focus to rescue people. But it's clear from what the Bible says and what Jesus said elsewhere that that is a a change of focus which should affect all of us if we become his followers. You know the game hide and seek and its different equivalents, sardines and so forth. Well, in some of those games, when somebody is caught or or, or found or or seen, um, uh, they just stay where they are and they don't take any more part of the game. But in other versions of the game, somebody who's caught then becomes a, a catcher and is on the lookout also to catch the others which are being sought for and hunted. And when somebody becomes a Christian, They don't sort of sit and stay. They become somebody who's part of the mission, part of the team to catch others. Are we somebody who's been saved and who's just sitting still? Or are we somebody who's been saved and is part of the mission? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Proverbs says he that wins souls is wise James ends his letter in this way my brothers if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins it's a great thing to be a fisher of people to gather to save people I remember hearing a, a message by an Australian evangelist who came over. and was speaking actually in Crowborough um, at an event I went to, and the event was for uh, ministers. Uh, and the title of the talk was this: "Still Fishing?" Still fishing? Now, have you been saved? Been a Christian for a while? Are you still looking to be a blessing so that others might find out about Jesus? that a good question for us still fishing? I heard uh, this week a message from somebody who's been involved from with a church plant. It's Luke Krauter. Some of you know of Luke. Um, they've been going a couple of years. I, I said uh, a week or two ago about a church plant which had really struggled. But this, well, this was, 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 was really going well and, and there were lots coming and it was full and, and it had grown and he was uh, saying... That, that there was a danger for them as a group of people that they start looking inward now because they were quite full as a, as a church plant and congregation a danger that they were just sort of enjoying life if you like in the aquarium rather than looking to add others who needed to be gathered are we still fishing? the eagerness you had when you first converted and found Jesus as your saviour you so wanted others to know that for themselves and to find rescue and life in Him, you still fishing. It involves all of us as Christians. We're f- fishing, if you like, in different ponds. Pond of I'm um, fishing in the in the neighbourhood of um, in the pond of, of my neighbourhood, wanting people to be saved, praying for them hoping for a conversation with them. That's a a little pond that I'm in. You've got your neighbourhood. You've got your family. You've got your friends. You've been involved with the the First uh, Steps pond or the First Tuesday pond or... What's your pond? My rod doesn't reach to your pond. Our rods don't go very far. We've got an area that God has called us to and we're looking to be a blessing and a help to those as God has blessed us. We want to bless them. Still fishing? Still praying? Still looking? Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Ordinary people compelling call, immediate impact, changed focus we started thinking about whether Jesus has affected our lives, has Jesus affected your life well part of that is inevitable, it's history has he affected willingly, have you responded to his call have you put him first, has there been an impact Has there been a leaving of other things that were on the throne so that he is rightly on the throne as the king of love, the king of righteousness, the king of peace? And as we think, has Jesus affected our lives, we can also finish thinking, is Jesus affecting others' lives through us? Are we part of this gracious, kind, compassionate mission of Christ? to be fishers of men and women and young people. Well, I'll leave uh, uh, just a half a minute or so for you to think through as we often do. Perhaps pick one of those questions that especially struck you and pray through it quietly before we have our final song. well let's sing together then our last song about the the call of Christ coming above the other voices and calls on our times above the voices of the world around me my hopes and dreams my cares and loves and fears the long-awaited call of Christ has found me the voice of Jesus echoes in my ears you for sending the Saviour into the world and we pray that as we hear his message, hear his teaching hear his call there may be a, a right wise responsiveness in our own hearts to put him first as Lord of our life and as we have known the blessing of life and peace and joy and hope through him may our heart be stirred that others too may have the blessing of coming to know Jesus for themselves. Help us to be part of your mission in reaching others, we pray. Amen.